0: Hey friends, welcome to Garden Church Podcast. This is a series called Jesus People. We are looking at who Jesus is and how we become more like Him. Jesus People are God's strategy for transforming the world. We hope you enjoy this podcast. For more information, go to garden.church. How's everybody doing? It feel like uh, Thanksgiving. Does anyone else feel like it was Halloween just like yesterday and now it's almost Christmas like it's just running by what am I doing um we out here Jesus people series we're gonna do it second service I'm ready you guys ready okay um I just want to do a pre-sermon is that all right because I was in worship in the first service and I'm like I feel like this is for me But I also feel like it's for some of you. I just wanted to remind you of something that we believe. We believe Jesus lived in human history. He died on a cross and he's been raised from the dead. And that that changes everything. And that faith in Christ brings salvation. That you don't earn salvation. There's no spiritual checklist. There's no way to make yourself all cleaned up from the inside out. The only way is to believe in Jesus. That's it. That's it. What that means is you can't earn anything. So no matter where you are, your old self has been crucified with Jesus on the cross, and you are currently a new creation, living into your destiny and future, not because you did anything to deserve it, but because of what he's done on the cross. So if you're here and you're like, I got to earn my way to God's love, that's a lie from the enemy. If you're here and you believe in Jesus and think, I'm not worthy, I got to get my life in order, that's not from Jesus, that's the gospel for you. Some of you just need to hear that. Amen. You can go now, okay? God bless you guys. But I'm, I'm feeling uh, over this last week, the sense that we, it's Jesus and something else. Like it's Jesus and I have to be perfect. It's Jesus and I have to get my life in order. It's Jesus and I have to do all these things to be right with God. And none of that is from the gospel. None of that is in the scripture. And what I want you to hear is that you're loved, that faith in Christ is enough. And trust him with your life. Trust him with your emotions. Trust him with your mind. Trust him with your body. Trust him with how you manage your finances. Trust him with everything else in your resources that you have in this age. Are you with me? All right, that was a freebie. Jesus, I wanna pray for us this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bless us, refresh us, heal us, pray for the wounds some of us are carrying in here today. Uh, as this discussion happens, we get triggered, we get afraid, the scarcity pops in. And I pray, Lord, that your, the dis, you would dismiss fear with peace and joy. I pray for life to uh, flood into this room and for us to experience your grace. And I pray for revelation of, through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I got some things to do today. Are you with me? Okay, I have three things I'm gonna go over. Number one, I'm gonna give you a biblical theology of stewardship. That's, let's go, three of us, let's go. I'm with you, Ramin, and whoever else said the mmm, like, like meditation in Hebrew is mmm. Number two, we're going to have a family conversation uh, to get you kind of under the hood of the inner workings of Garden Church as an organization. We're going to show you how we take our theology and convictions and live that out with practices and behaviors as a local church. The intention of this is to give you, get you up to speed over the last year. How many of you noticed last year's been wild for us as a local church? Anyone want to see, there's a lot more people we'll talk about all of those things, but we want to bring you into a conversation to help you understand what God's doing here and how you can participate. The third thing is we want to invite you to belong and commit and participate in the garden church. And so practically what this means is this. Um, you know how some movies like it's like the suspense getting you to the end. I'm gonna start with the ending right now. Okay, so all of the anticipation—where is he leading? That what's going on? It's going to go to an ask for you to be generous. That's what the end of the sermon's leading you leading you towards. So there's no mystery involved. There's no surprise. I gotcha. It starts right now with me saying, "Garden Church, you're called to live generously." Uh, give generously, be a steward of your resources, and be a partner with us as God is doing an amazing thing in the local church. God calls us to the local church. There's no other institution that he has ordained from the beginning of time to be stewards of his grace on earth. So the local church matters, give to it, you with me? Now let me, let me present my case. <clears throat> if you have a Bible, go to Genesis chapter one. And if you don't have a Bible, <clears throat> you can pull it out on your phone, you'll be shamed. but. Uh, if you have your Bible, show your brother or sister next to you and say, I'm, I'm holier than you. No, that's not how it works. I already, I already got rid of that. Performance-based spirituality does not exist, <clears throat> but you do get gold stars in heaven for your Bible. Here we go. Um, bad theology. Bad theology. All right. I'm so glad you know this. I was testing you. I was testing you just like Jesus is. Here we go. Um <laughs> Matthew, I'll, He tests right now. Um, all right, Genesis chapter one. It's the beginning. If you have, if you go to the table of contents, flip a couple of pages, you'll get to Genesis one. How many of you know the way the story begins shapes the story you're telling? Once upon a time, what kind of story? Yep, uh, in a galaxy far, far away. What kind of story? The only one that matters. Let's go. <laughs> Star Wars. Okay, here we go. <laughs> but what that means is when you know how the story begins, it shapes the story you're telling. Our story doesn't begin in chapter three. It doesn't begin with you are a sinner that needs to be saved. It begins with God saying, mm, very good. And then it shapes the rest of the narrative. So Genesis 1, here's what it begins with, uh, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male, male, and female, he created them. God blessed them and uh, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule, there it is again, over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So this is the story of how humanity in Genesis one comes to be. And there's a separate creation account in Genesis 2, but in Genesis 1, the image is the cosmos are created and then this epic climax, humankind is made in the image and likeness of God. You and I are made in the image and likeness of God. And what's important about this as we frame this talk is that the way the story begins, it begins with you having being given as humans both identity and vocation. Genesis 1 from the Lord gives you identity and purpose, identity and vocation. The idea from these few passages is that humankind is commissioned by God in the image and likeness to steward something. And there's two words I want you to read. The first one is rule. Would you say the word radah? You just learned a Hebrew word. Look at that, radah. It means to exercise uh, authority over, to govern, to have dominion. Part of our image and likeness, our identity and vocation is exercising dominion over creation. That we were designed to live in perfect loving relationship with God, with ourselves, with each other, and the rest of creation. And we function out of that identity as divine rulers. We partner with God to rule over creation. And the second word you need to know is the word kibosh, I like that word. Can you just say kabosh? Let's just say it one more time. Doesn't it feel good? Kabosh. <laughs> Subdue. It means to bring under your influence, to manage or to steward. So these two words give us identity and vocation, the identity of being made in the image and likeness of God and the vocation, the purpose to rule and subdue. It, you could say, and this is what scholars would summarize, that God commissioned humans to cultivate environments for all of creation to flourish. What's your task in this world too? Partner with God in cultivating an environment for all of creation to flourish. For those of you that are raising littles right now, you are steward. You are stewarding the environment of your home to create a place for these littles to flourish. Those of you that run businesses, you're cultivating an environment for other people to experience employment and uh, and flourish in their humanity because you created industry and uh, and commerce and business for others to to have uh, life that would flourish. If how many of you like? creating order out of chaos any organizers in the house yeah I see your hands God bless you how many of you have administrative tasks you love getting things done off the list you're organized keep it I want to just see I'm going to put you to work later this week um, <laughs> such a good, that's part of that human mandate and, and how many of you are just creative artists, like you are highly creative, like, oh, miss your hands, like, you know who you are, don't, oh, I don't know if I'm an artist, you like, you can't help but create all of these things, whether it's starting business, whether it's sales, whether it's raising up little humans, whether it's uh, working as a graphic designer or a teacher, all these are functioning out of your identity and purpose as a human. This is what we're called to be to rule and to subdue is to function out of your truest identity. Our vocation is to steward creation on behalf of God. Um, That is the call from Genesis one and two. I'm just gonna add one more for you, just a freebie. I missed this in the first service, but when scholars talk about what the mandate was for Adam and Eve, it's that they were to create and steward and empower and rule over Eden so that the rest of creation would become Eden. The idea was Eden wasn't the whole earth, but their function as humans was to extend the garden to the rest of creation. Garden church, TM. <laughs> Sorry, it's in Genesis, I can't steal it. It's, a, it's not my idea, it's his. <clears throat> so God calls us into this and the theological concept for this is this idea of stewardship. Stewardship. The idea of being a steward is being a manager. The noun is the job of a supervisor, someone who's taking care of something, such as an organization or taking care of property. The verb is to manage or to look after someone or something. So I wanna suggest as followers of Jesus, we're called to be stewards. So point number one I have today is you are a steward. You are a steward. You are called to, in Christ, I'm just gonna make this case so you know what I'm talking about. We now put everything we possess... Just in case you were wondering, what does that mean? Our material possessions, our finances, our houses, our apartments, our cars, our bikes, our clothes, our books, our food, our beverages, our savings, our futures, our dreams, our plans, our knowledge, our education, our talents, our skills, our spiritual gifts, our revelation, our relationships, our body, emotions, and mind, our words, our actions, our influences, our time, our energy, privilege, power, perspective, all of that collective experience comes under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the theology of stewardship according to the scriptures. What do I mean by that? Your life is not your own. It's all his. All of life is grace all of life is a gift. What are you grateful for? What are you stewarding? Do you have a house? Amazing. Is it not the one you wanted, but you have a place to live? Do you have an apartment? Do you share a room with someone? Do you have a a vehicle that gets you from A to B? Do you steward that vehicle as if it was God's? Do you steward the talent, the time that you spent in college, getting your college education and degree? Do you steward the knowledge on behalf of others, the life stage you're in? the experiences you have from your past, the pain you walk through and came out on the other side, are you stewarding the suffering well? Stewardship. Jesus is is Lord, meaning he sits at the top of everything else in your life. That's biblical discipleship. And that idea is what I'm getting at when I talk about stewardship, that we now steward our lives based on his desires and his dreams for the kingdom of heaven to rule and to become reality on earth as it is in heaven, in us, through us, and around us. And that happens to include things like your money, your time your education, your relationships, and all the things that I've already listed. You guys with me? One of the problems I see in the American church is we worship the compartmentalized gospel. You know, you ever heard of that? It's this, Jesus comes for my spiritual life, but I get to keep the rest of it to myself. I'll give you two hours on Sunday and a couple of bucks, a percentage of my income versus all of it's his. All of my time is his, all of my money is his and he decides what I keep. He decides where it goes in the budget that I'm stewarding on his behalf because one day I will give an account to him for all of the resources he gave me because it was his in the first place. Do you see the difference between the compartmentalized gospel, which is like a release valve of as long as I throw a couple of bucks here and there, as long as I give a little bit of time here, the rest is for me, myself, and my dreams, my careers. And I put a, a stamp of Christianity on it because I, I, I released myself from the, the responsibility of stewardship. Compartmentalized gospel misses the formation that God has for us where he wants to be a part of every aspect of our life. Point number two, how you manage and use the resources in your life can have everlasting consequences. I like the other stuff, wait, time out, what? So let's ensure we are good stewards of what we have been given. Let me just make this case in Luke chapter 16. If you have a Bible, go to Luke. Say it with me. Luke. Come on. Just, just pretend like you like me for a little bit. Just kidding. I know some of you do. Um, don't worry, Bill's here next week, guys. Uh, Luke 16. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Luke 16. Jesus is teaching uh, in, uh, about being, uh, being a shrewd manager. And in, in, in verse 10, He summarizes this teaching and it's so important. This is his philosophy. Listen to what he says. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And then he explains it. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, worldly wealth, who will give you property of your own? You, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So he says, if you can be trusted with those very little things, what's he saying? Money, possessions, the stuff you collect in this age, this present age, that's the very little. It's preparation for the rest of eternity. If you can't be trustworthy with this very little, whatever that is, you won't be trustworthy with the riches he wants to pour out in the age to come. This isn't prosperity gospel. This is the gospel of the kingdom that you are being trained for eternity. That discipleship to Jesus now is not so that when you die, everything's gonna be great. It's that when you die, you just keep on living as if nothing happened. You're a disciple of heaven and you're, you're immersed in the reality of heaven on earth so that the way you see your life will continue in the age to come as it was here and now. So a steward in the kingdom of God is someone who cares and cultivates their whole life in a way, including their resources and possessions on behalf of God's desires, values, dreams, and purposes. We're called to be stewards. And um, we're called to manage our lives as if it doesn't belong to us. And why that's so challenging is the culture of self, which worships the idol of self. You have been immersed in a a whole lifestyle that's built and bent towards you being the center of the world. And when you come to faith, Jesus becomes the center of not just the world and the cosmos, but your life. And now he has to be king. And the question I have is, do you see... I'm sorry, let me ask it this way. Do people see your discipleship to Jesus based on how you spend your resources or not? Is your budget reflecting, if you have a budget, reflecting Jesus as Lord or you as Lord? And at the Garden Church, we don't, obviously we don't mess around with teaching here. We are gonna go after the things that matter. Like why does the church talk about money? Do you know that Jesus talks about money more than anything else other than the kingdom of God. Second most talked about subject in the scriptures. It matters. In just a few moments we're gonna have some people come up, my wife being someone, some people, my wife and, and Amanda, and they're gonna talk about the numbers of our church, what it looks like as a local community. And I heard them in the first service talking about, okay, I'm sorry about the information. They, they, they weren't apologizing, but they, it's just hard for us to hear information that are details. But then you look at the majority of scripture, God cares about the numbers. He has a book called Numbers. <laughs> they counted, they calculated, they know, because that is testimony to God. Yeah, and we have to be good and grown-up disciples that recognize that we are preparing for eternity. And whatever you have, if you, if you have a, a, a shared bedroom with 18 roommates, that is what you're called to steward. <laughs> if you don't yet have a car and are driving a bike or use the public transportation, you're called to steward that, if you do have, you have multiple houses and lots of businesses and wealth is exuding from you and you create lots of wealth, you're called to steward that. We're called to steward whatever God has entrusted us with now on his behalf. And for those of you that think, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a great steward once I have more. That's a lie. There's so many statistics. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about generosity because we, we, we gotta understand this, but... There's so many stats that those who tithe regularly are less likely to have credit card debt, they're more likely to be financially free and own homes than those that don't tithe, for the personal benefit that tithing has. And I would like to say, we'll give you a money back guarantee because I know it blesses you, we haven't come up with that. So maybe the financial people will talk about but I know for those that have taken the journey of living generously as stewards, their lives are better. Have you ever met a generous person that wasn't full of joy? Like, have you ever met someone who's gifted in hospitality that doesn't have joy? We took a survey as a church and the uh, Levi who does this, he's a genius with analyzing the details. He has a brain that I just bless. He was like, there was no correlation between those who gave and anything else in the church. Like not if they're married, if they've been here for a while, if they if they are um, own a home, or all the different categories. I don't remember if whatever their what, if they're what? Income. income. It doesn't matter. There was one correlation to those who give and give regularly. Only one that he could find of all the pot- potential connections. You not want to know what it was. People gave to the garden if they served the Garden Church, volunteer servants also gave. That was the only correlation to those who gave and those who didn't. Isn't that crazy? It's about discipleship. It's about your heart. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. He wants to set you free. I actually think in ministry today, we're going to see men and women set free from fear of finances, scarcity, from the shame of not knowing where the resources are going, not living with intentionality. God wants to release that. He wants to bless you. I believe that. He wants to prepare you to rule. He wants to bless businesses and business leaders and creatives and all the things because he wants you to do what he commissioned all humans to do in the power of the Holy Spirit for his sake of extending the garden or the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's the call. Are you with me? Couple more thoughts, and then we'll end. Um, and then I'll bring some friends up, one of them being my wife. Um, I love this because uh, the framework of stewardship doesn't make sense. Those of you that uh, that have seen, ha- have have stepped into stewardship like this. This idea that you're, it's not yours, it it often doesn't make sense practically. Like conventional wisdom. Doesn't have a clue what kingdom economics look like. Kingdomnomics. I don't know if that's what I just make. Kingdomnomics is this. It's where it never makes sense. Lots of examples in the scripture. Like Elisha's like, hey, um, or Elijah's like, hey, go get all the empty jars, pour out your oil until and, and and then the oil just doesn't stop flowing. A little container, the oil keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. And there's a miracle of abundance because it doesn't make sense when you obey God. Jesus Uh, The disciples come to Jesus, a bunch of people are hanging out, they're like, "Get! they need to go, this is a remote place, they have not had food, they need to get something to eat. Jesus is like, go, you feed them. They're like, well, our conventional wisdom says it will cost a year and a half salary to provide one little meal uh, for all these people. You, uh, well, Jesus goes, well, what do you have? We have five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish, that's enough. It's enough in kingdomnomics. It's not enough with conventional wisdom. Jesus takes what little they had, redirects it to heaven. Get, bless it right now, Lord. <laughs> I, was, I was actually in the restroom earlier, and there were all these little kids in there, and the, the teachers were like holding the doors open. And one of the kids, uh, the, the soap dispenser, like cracked and broke, and there's just soap dripping down. And it was a, all these littles just in there trying to clean up the mess. And I was like, I am so glad we have a space. Yeah. Yes. For those of you that weren't at Franklin, it's a different experience. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, don't worry about it, I got it. And they all, anyways, it just, this is, when I hear the kids running, you know, we're having these quiet, delicate moments with communion and kids are like, ah, oh, I gotta go pee. Like, they're running out, like, <laughs> like this is family. <laughs> Jesus takes the loaves and the fish and he redirects it and he directs it towards heaven. He gives thanks, he takes it, he breaks it and then he gives it back to the disciples takes what's lacking hands it back to the disciples and with what's lacking it becomes a miracle of abundance they don't even have the imagination to think oh jesus can multiply loaves and fish that's not that's new to them the only time they've read about that is in the old testament when god rained down manna and that was yahweh raining down manna so now yahweh's in their midst Kingdomnomics doesn't make sense. It's like when we did a building a year ago next weekend. We brought this concept to our church. 14 years in downtown Long Beach. Hey, church, we're moving to Orange County. Yay! There was audible gasps. <laughs> How could you? No, it wasn't that bad. It was that bad, actually. I remember. <clears throat> <laughs> and I just remember the tension. And I said, hey, we've had all this generosity thousands of dollars, 300 and something thousand dollars have been committed. We need a $100,000 of one-time gifts to move in, to furnish, to fix, to make this our home and we need additional $20,000 a month for the next two years to afford this massive expense we've never had. One Um, post-college student who's working with circuit riders. Anyone, circuit riders in the house? Let's go, circuit riders. Missionaries, like, sent out evangelists to the campuses all over the United States, being trained, they're raising support, they're living with lack. He commits, this one one kid commits, young man, commits to giving faithfully, monthly, out of his lack as a missionary because he wants in with what God is doing in the local church. It's amazing, that heart. It doesn't make sense unless you know who Jesus is. I can tell you so many stories of people stepping in to where faith overrides the fear of scarcity and they live into the abundance of what God's doing. It only makes sense when you know Jesus is Lord and that the same amount of time it takes to write $100 checks is the same amount of time it takes to write a $100,000 check. $100,000 could be equivalent to the $100 that you've committed to for this person. It, it's about lordship. That A year ago, I, I just looked at this email. I got this email from a family after that Sunday. You know, I'm putting a, it was so, if you, if you talked to me back then, I was so terrified. I'm like, this thing's going to fail. We're moving to Orange County. This whole thing's going to fall apart. I was so terrified anxious for months. All my staff know. They're like, yeah, your anxiety bled onto me. I get it. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, we're destroying a good thing. But we knew God had spoke. So we had to put everything on this massive move, including finances. Like we had never really done fundraising before. And in this situation, it was a lot and it was going to be a big deal. And I get this email and it was the, su- the next day, I think, from the Sunday where I announced it to our church. And um, this this guy uh, a family member in our church he he says hey uh uh before i even got to franklin i heard whispering in my heart that i needed to give a 100,000 dollar check um and and then you go up on stage and say, we need $100,000 one-time gifts. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And so I was overwhelmed and I felt convicted. And then he went on to say, so I'm gonna write a $100,000 check uh, to the garden to, to cover the need that you need. One check, one family. But then he went on to say, it doesn't make sense. Because our business right now is a million dollars behind cash flow heading into the year end. But we're gonna do it out of faith. Wow. Kingdomnomics, it doesn't make sense but Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and that's all we're inviting you into is to to recognize that as followers of Jesus, we're called to steward the resources of our life. It's money, it's finances, it's homes, it's cars, it's old iPhones, it's computers, it's education, it's being creative to recognize that it's all God's. How much stuff do you have just burning in your house? I use that word on purpose because it will all just end in burning unless it's used for his purposes and then it will last for eternity. I was with uh, a family yesterday at a a nine-year-old birthday party and I was talking to the grandma and she was like talking about her church. We've known each other for years. She was talking about her little church in South County that she's a part of. And she's like, I just wish we had young people in our church. I wish we had young moms in our church so we can just, we're, we're in the stage of life where we don't have all the littles messing up our house and we're not exhausted. We have so much space in a home to host young moms and, and young married so that we can be a gift to them in their life. And I'm like, that's amazing. How many of you are stewarding the stage of life you're in? How many of you are looking for opportunities to be a blessing to this, just this tiny community that has a world of opportunity where there are people in this that are starting businesses and some of you have led businesses and have so much to give away. You just need to connect. Some of you are in a stage of life where you've gone through the season of just surviving kids and you can bless the moms. Some of you are in a place where you're feeling lonely. I just found out there's something called a warm line. Do you know what that is? It's not a hot line it's a warm line where you can call if you're struggling with mental illness or loneliness to just talk to a human. I was like, that shouldn't exist. The church should be that in the world. People will call complete strangers because they just want to talk and be heard. We have to create that here. That's stewardship. Does that make sense? So I'm inviting you in as a, as a follower of Jesus to steward your resources on behalf of Jesus. Stewardship involves trusting God with your entire life and allowing your faith to guide your decisions. So the question I have for you is, does your, uh, my budget reflect my discipleship to Jesus? Does the way I spend my money and use my possessions reflect God's love for the world? What in my life needs to be realigned to Jesus' lordship? and the way of the kingdom. Because response to stewardship is getting your household and your life in order. That God desires for you to live under your means so that you can thrive. And if you're here and you're in need, we have to take care of it. Last week, this service, we passed the bucket, remember? Filled it with all this cash came flooding in and we started passing the bucket around and people were just giving money left and right. One car was given on a Sunday night service. There's another car that's being given away. I'm helping facilitate somebody that is giving away a car. There's just this exchange of, 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 of wealth and, and resource to each other. Um, there was so much money left over in the first service or the second service. I was like, all right, 6 p.m. is gonna be blessed. Do you remember this last week? I talked about like that word about how it started passing the buckets. Well, um, I was in the 6 p.m. service and I had like that first initial word of knowledge. I was like, there's a mom here that the word was short rent. She was short on her rent and specifically needed $600. I'm worshiping and then there's a time of meet and greet and I see a mom sitting with her kid. I'm like, hey, I'm Darren, blah, blah, blah. This is weird, but... um, are you short on rent? She's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, how much do you need? She said, $600. Oh, great, there's a bucket full of cash. Here you go. (laughs) Because when the Spirit of God moves on a community, there's a marker, there's no need among us. That's only gonna make sense when we steward what we have. When we're living with a budget. Some of you need help. We have resources, we'll talk about that. You need help to get on a budget, to get out of debt to work to a place where you have enough and you're stewarding your resources and extending the kingdom. That's what we're, wherever you find yourself, whether you're in need right now, we wanna help. If you're, you have to figure out how to get order and there's all these administrator gifts in this church that are gonna help you get order and get on a budget. Some of you don't even know that you're called to give to the local church. You are called to give because you're called to live generously. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. Um, so we're called to steward our resources. You are a steward, and how you manage your resources now has eternal consequences. Amen? So do it well. All right, I'm going to bring some my wife and Amanda up. So Alex, this is my wife, Alex. She is the exact. Yeah, give it up for Alex. <clears throat> She's been our executive pastor. Sorry, I didn't turn it on um, for, since we started in 2008. And uh, Amanda's the director of, pastor of operations. I got you. Um, Pastor of Operations, and they have been uh, stewarding our resources. I'm going to let them bring you in on a conversation for our church. Go for it. I'm going to sit, too.
1: Hi. Hi, guys. Yeah, I'm Alex Roundson. Thanks for having us today. Um, Yes, I've served as our executive pastor and the CFO on our board of directors for a number of years, and Amanda and myself and Darren. And our board of directors oversee the financial oversight and operations of Garden Church. And so um, I'm just going to share a little bit about what that looks like and how we operate as a team. As a team, we carry the convictions of the theology and stewardship that Darren has been teaching about this morning. and. We implement those into the day in and day out financial operations of our church. Um, I've been in this role for almost 15 years, and the thing that sticks out over the last 15 years the most is God's incredible abundant generosity um, to this church and through this church. I have just seen God do so, so much. I've seen you guys give above and beyond to support the mission of this local church, and I've seen you guys give in your house churches and in your lives outside of these walls. Um, Some of the things that kind of stand out to me are just the beautiful creativity. Darren referenced some of this, but in house churches, people getting rent paid and getting their mortgage paid, sharing of cars, covering of medical bills and school tuitions providing meals, holiday gifting, sharing homes and vacations, providing babysitting and carpooling and so much more. And it has been such a joy in this role um, to just see God's abundant generosity, it's so beautiful. Um, I love financial health, I love it in our family, I love it for you guys and I love it for the community and I'm really, really passionate about having really good clear communication about how we use our finances and inviting you guys into that in your own lives. And so I'm gonna take a little time just to share some of the financial history of Garden Church. Um, And I want to say this isn't just an information-only conversation, I really hope that this inspires you guys in financial health and in stewardship, and that this builds trust between this community and our team that oversees the resources of of God's local church. Um, These are not our resources, these are not our dollars, and we are stewarding stewarding this on behalf of God. as many of you guys know, we started this church back in 2008, and we had one year of financial covering from Rock Harbor Church. And we kind of parachuted in, Darren and myself and a team of volunteers. I think a few of you guys are still here, Sarah Weiss and Kevin, Kevin Nicholson. Kevin where are you at? A few of you guys are still here, but it was just us. And in that first year, our budget was $135,000, and that $135,000 covered all of our operations, all of our facilities, all of our gatherings, Darren's salary. And even in, and I think especially in those early days, even with limited resources, we took seriously the call to steward every dollar that came in on God's behalf. And one of the things that we kind of inherited from Rock Harbor that we've practiced since that day um, is tithing from the money that comes in. So we have something called First Fruits where we give away 10% of the money that comes into Garden Church to overseas missionaries and to local and global organizations. and that generosity has just continued over the years, um, year over year for 15 years we've had growth. Never have we had a year where we've gone in the red, um, and that is God's incredible faithfulness. You guys, we have seen growth every single year, um, not can just we, can we yes, pause? yeah.
0: I I like 15 years of an organization, year over year growth. That is a testimony of God's faithfulness. So I just think we honor God with these testimonies. Some of these are going to be like stats and numbers, but all of them are God's testimony of what's happened celebrate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's so beautiful and it's fun to get to manage resources of abundance. It really is so fun. Um, and beyond just the giving, we have seen so much happen in the last two years. We're going to kind of zoom in on really the last year, but so much has changed in this last year since we moved from Franklin middle school down here to Huntington. Um, Last year at this time, we had 350 people, adults and children, that came to Garden Church. And after doing our survey and looking at all of our numbers, we have over thousand people at Garden yeah. Church right now, which is wild, so exciting, um, so fun, um, and crazy. A lot to manage. Yeah, no,
0: more people, more problems. Um, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Good problems. <laughs> no, it's problems. awesome. We love it. Awesome. it. We love it. <laughs> But you know, that's hard. It's like, there's no room. We started this thinking that it's going to be time to grow. We went from one service to three services. And that's come with a lot of obstacles. Our staff and our elders have really inherited, most of our staff, the burden of trying to make sure that it's functioning well. It's amazing to see what God's doing. And we celebrate that, but it's also been a challenge. So I just got to say.
1: Yeah. So we're actually going to look at some numbers right now. We have, in fact, gone from, I think those are going to be on the yep, slide. Yep, right um, We've gone from one to three services. Um, our facilities costs have increased. Increased by 450 percent. We've what, heard,
0: things like. Let me just say things like. Darren we, really
1: wanted to say this. <laughs> he brought this up in a meeting. So go it's important paper. to me. <laughs> like, yeah, we share
0: like it. we didn't have to pay for toilet paper at Franklin. We pay for toilet paper and soap dispensers and all that. Also communion cups. Like it matters to me. We take communion as a church together. And I was like, all right, we're gonna take it every Sunday. And our team was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. Theologically, I'm convicted about it. It's gonna cost over $15,000 a year to take communion as a church every year. I'm like, that's a lot of money, but I'm so glad you're counting. We're going to do it based on our principle and theology. So budget's gone up.
1: Yep, budget's gone up. So yeah, facilities costs are up. But, but you got to include
0: those things, right? We There's gotta, stories include behind.
1: Include them. Yes, that's great. Um, we've hired or one to- more, like I wanted an
0: LED. <laughs> like, Don't worry, I love you. This is a great, I got a mic. I, I, love, I love that we have this. All my friends in other churches have LED screens. I'm like, we're getting an LED screen. We're getting an LED, and our team's like, no, we don't need an LED screen. This works fine. That's our values. I'm like, fine, that's great. I submit that to you. Um, you're wrong, but yes. We don't need to spend $100,000 on something that's unnecessary. Those are the convictions that we placed. Everything mattered. Everything mattered. Everything, what kind of sound things we got, everything mattered, and as we've moved, that's how we see everything, including the toilet paper and communion. Okay, keep going.
1: TP and communion. (laughs) Um, Okay, so, since we moved here, we also have hired three new staff, We've dedicated 45 or more children. We've had dozens so of baptisms. We've launched seven new house churches and have over 100 Let's people go, church. in house church for the first time this year. Um, we started our prayer room on Tuesday mornings. We've got outreach events each month in the city, and we just started Alpha this last month. Um, we also launched a monthly global missions community, and we've sent members of our community on two mission trips this year. Three. And also in October, three, three, three mission, mission trips. trips. Um, and in October, we hosted 100 pastors from around the nation just to train train build relationship, encourage them. It's been so amazing. Um, So it is so, so fun to be part of this growth and we're here for it. Um, But there's a lot of implications financially for this stuff. So I'm going to share with you guys just a little bit about how we internally manage the finances of Garden Church. Um, The first thing I want to share is that we do something called mission-first budgeting. So before we put numbers on a spreadsheet, our team sits with the Lord in dreams and envisions what God is saying is next for our community. And so we run our financial year July 1st through June, and that means in the spring every year, we just get before the Lord and say, okay, what are you doing, God? Where is their life? And um, what are you dreaming up for us for this next year? And we really try to align our hearts around that. And then from there, our team build ministry plans for each ministry, for kids' ministry, for youth ministry, for prayer ministry. We build out a ministry plan and just set that before the Lord. And then when we feel like we are ready to go with that, um, we build our budget. Budgets and we all fill out spreadsheets. Every single staff member fills out at least one spreadsheet. Amanda does like 11 spreadsheets. Um, and we we go I line by like line, that. guys, with where we're spending and how does this align with the vision and values. And just like Jer- Darren shared, we don't just spend money because we feel like it. It really has to align with what God is saying for our community. And I think that's really key. And then on an ongoing basis... Um, We check in, we check in on ministry plans, our staff know how to read financial reports, they get sent every month, they review those with their managers, our board of directors is looking at those on a monthly and quarterly basis, and there's a high level of accountability and stewardship with how our money is spent. Um, In addition to this, our board of directors is also responsible for facilities oversight, operating costs like salaries, administrative costs, insurance and liabilities. And over the years, we've utilized a number of resources to support us in decision making. Um, We've brought in outside organizations to do salary studies, and they just look at churches across the nation, church size, staff size, location, and they help you build salary ranges that are healthy for your staff members. And then in addition to that, we use some resources from Barna Group as we just look at the whole budget for Garden Church and say, okay, what percentage should go to facilities and to staffing into ministries, and really align ourselves Mm -hmm. to what is healthy on a national level for our church. and so, yes, our board of directors is involved in all of that stuff. Um, I know this is a lot of information, but I just want to set the stage for having really good, healthy conversations, you guys. We want this to be a two-way conversation, and Amanda will talk a little bit more about feedback and answering questions you guys might have later um it's not just information this is for accountability this is for transparency this is for building trust and we really want to do that with you guys Um, before amanda jumps into some of the numbers i just want to share that um there is going to be an ask and darren kind of prepared you for that at the beginning but um we're not having this conversation out of scarcity right now when we made the move down here. We knew we were gonna need some runway. We knew we were gonna need new staff. We knew we were gonna have higher overhead and we prepared ourselves. God's been so generous with us. We've had some reserves. This is not a conversation out of stress. This is simply just our annual conversation about state of the church. Financially, um, and also when we made this move, we knew that in growth, um, there we would have to have conversations with you guys about your discipleship and engage your finances as we have new family members a part of this church community. Um, part of your discipleship is giving generously to the local church, and so we want to start that conversation now as well. But this is out of abundance and so much faith. God has been so good and has provided so much for us, and we're just so grateful.
0: So good. Let's go.
1: Yeah, round of applause, honestly. (laughs) I know you didn't want that. (laughs) No, no, you're good. Um,
2: Yeah, I want to share just a couple practical pieces um, as an overflow of that. So as Alex shared, our church has grown threefold this year, 350 people to 1,000, which is absolutely insane. And I think we feel it maybe in this room. Um, So our budget last year was just under $2 million. This current year, our budget is at $2.6 million, which sounds like a lot of money. Um, but after doing some research, we have found that the national average budget for a church our size in a similar location is between $2.8 and $3 million. So we actually fall a little bit below that. Um, I want to talk about just a couple of reasons why people may not give to the church, Um currently. And first is that some people just maybe don't know the theology behind this, which Darren let us Let's go. a good word about yeah. that today. Yeah, so that. yeah, so good, good. so good.
0: Decent, Darren gave a decent theology a decent of stewardship.
2: Kingdomnomics, <laughs> is that the name of the sermon? Healthy <laughs> feedback, thank you. <laughs> Love to model that for you. Um, yeah, so okay, we know after today, right? So go yeah. home, sit with the Holy Spirit, let him speak to you about that yeah. if you have any questions. Good. Um, second, I actually think that some of us probably in this room just simply don't trust the church with their finances. Um, And I want to share that I understand that and get that. Um, My husband and I started coming to the garden eight or nine years ago now at this point. And when we came, I carried a lot of similar feelings of distrust um, on a multiple variety of levels for different reasons. And, Yeah, getting hired on staff here and starting off with our finance team. It's now been over six years. God has healed so much of that in me. Like just getting to kind of see behind the curtain about how decisions are being made, where finances are going, who is involved in these conversations has healed so much in me. And so I want to share that with you that I have experienced freedom in that. Yeah, And we're going to pray into this during ministry time later too, but that is available. And I think the Lord just delights in us being able to say, yeah, I I trust your stewardship. I trust your management. Um, And then third, I feel like there are probably a lot of us in this room who either one feel like they just don't know how to steward their own resources. So it's not empowering you toward generosity or two, you just feel like you simply don't have enough to be able to give above and beyond. And we've talked about this a little bit and we'll talk a bit more, but In January, we are going to launch um, a program called Freed Up. It's in partnership with another church on the other side of the country. We'll talk much more about this, but it's a really amazing tool and resource that I think is going to empower so many of you, regardless of where you're at in this journey, to learn financial health, learn how to steward your finances, learn how to get out of debt if that's where you are. So we'll talk more about that. Practicals in terms of our goals for this year. So first, um, we mentioned our all-church survey that we just finished in October. We found on that survey that about 58% of our community at this time has given at least once to Garden Church this year, which is amazing. I think that's higher than national average, right? Yeah, it's amazing which is so amazing. Um, And 23% of our church gives reoccurring gifts, meaning you're giving on a weekly, biweekly, monthly basis, which, yeah, again, is huge. Our goal is to see 70% of gardeners giving regularly. So that's 12% more of our community engaging with regular giving. So that's goal number one.
0: Let me say something. Like, So part of this is like, imagine how satisfied we would be as a leadership team if we're like, all right, 58% of people were following Jesus as disciples. 58% we're worshiping on Sunday 58% read their bible our goal is to see that our our number of people coming to just increase their discipleship to Jesus that's the goal right so 12% increase in giving in giving out of garden. that's that's not a big goal that's some of you just going yep i'm in let's go and that's the invitation because it is about discipleship so that's that's one metric we hope we prayed into that number we're like okay let's i think that's a good healthy number So good. Miracle would be like, all right, 90%. That's awesome.
2: Let's do it. Come on, Lord. Uh, Our second goal is we are shooting for a year-end giving goal of $400,000. So our prayer is coupling that with an increase in regular giving will actually get us to a great place by the end of December and then set us up to end our year in the black, what we say to end our year in the positive um, by the end of our ministry year in June 2024. So we want to invite you to pray and step into one or both of those things. Um, We've given a ton of information, but I also want to share that, you know, an efforts of transparency too, that we have all of our past year's financials on our website. You can go to garden.church slash giving. And see, at least the last five years, if there's something on top of that, you can reach out to us. We would love to share that with you. We also are launching a new email address, finance at So if you have any questions, you want to reach out to Alex and I to ask more specifics, email us. We would love to share any and all information that we have for you.
0: Awesome, well done. Can we give it up for these guys? Do you want to say anything else? Are you sure? Okay. Mina, do you want to do any? You want to preach a little bit, babe? Do you want to grab a Bible? No, not right now. Okay. Next week. Um, oh, no, Bill's here next week. Don't, don't woo again. <laughs> really? Now you're just being mean. <laughs> hey, how great is that? How great? So, like, I... When we started our church, we were looking at reasons church fail. And one of them has to do with the way they steward resources. And and also reasons people don't trust the church or pastors fail has to do with lack of accountability, transparency. And so in all of this, it's to put trust and hope for you to partner with us and to know that we're stewarding it like the same way we're calling you to steward. That's it. You with me? Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to Church. God bless you.